Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, welcome to another edition of American Potential. Uh, we've talked so much about education. We do, we do a lot of discussion about K-12 education. Part of the reason is we're breaking barriers all across America in K through 12 education. It's it's incredible to see what's happening. We see state after state passing education savings accounts and empowering parents and kids uh, to to be able to take control of their education. And we've talked so much about that because it's it's one of the places in education where government really can can infringe upon sort of the freedom of parents and kids to be able to have the kind of education that they want. Um, Because as you know, for so many years, we've limited it to the zip code that kids live in, and that's no way to run an education system. Florida is one of the many states that expanded options for students this year. We've had a former student from Florida on this show to talk about how the state scholarship program helped her from making D's and F's to going to making A's and B's. So you may ask if Florida already has this program, what could they have just passed that would make it even better? In March of 2023, the Florida legislature passed HR1, which is a universal education savings account, which means all students in the state, universal savings accounts are great, all students in the state, are eligible to apply for the scholarship regardless of income. On today's podcast, we have a mom of five from Florida as our guest to discuss why she supported HR1 and how it will benefit the state. Allie Leg, thanks for coming on today. Appreciate having you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I appreciate all the work that you've done <laughs> exposing all of this. It's great. <laughs> Yeah. So now you, this is interesting. You're the first school board member who earned an endorsement of a sitting governor. Is that right? Yes. I, yes. I'm the first school board candidate (laughs) to ever um, receive a, a uh, recommendation or an endorsement from a sitting governor in all of American politics. So it was pretty awesome. I did a, um, I was invited to his press conference to discuss uh, CRT and how it affected uh, my family, as we have experienced some CRT, uh, critical race theory ideologies, uh, with my oldest child a couple of years ago. And after I gave my speech, um, Governor DeSantis was a little speechless and came up in front of the podium and pulled out his, my card that I handed him backstage. And he just was like, you know, she's running for school board in Hillsborough <laughs> County. And the whole place just erupted in craziness. So it was very unexpected. Um, and then a few weeks followed up that after that, I was interviewed um, as far as what their process was. They had to rush and get this process together in order to figure out how a governor could endorse <laughs> nonpartisan <laughs> candidates. Yeah. Uh, it was a little crazy, but I found out I was endorsed just like everybody else did as I was driving to the governor's mansion 
to have lunch with uh, our first lady, uh, Casey DeSantis. So it was pretty interesting. That's awesome. Very, very, very. It cool. must have been a heck of a speech that you gave. I would say, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I tend I tend to do those. Actually, <laughs> they're all on on uh, YouTube, so you can go search my name and look them look them up. I, I've given quite a few, uh, and a lot of them are pretty spectacular uh, that I've received feedback. Yeah. From, so. It, it, it has been very interesting. For well, sure. awesome. And uh, people, if they want to do that, uh, your your name is spelled A-L-Y, and then your last name is L-E-G-G-E, correct? Yes. Right. Yes, that's So correct. if they want to look that up on YouTube or whatever, they can do that. Um, you're also an Army veteran. Tell me about that. Yes. So I uh, served in 2011, uh, and while I didn't finish my entire uh, um, in enlistment, I, I ended up becoming medically uh, discharged for fracturing both my feet and my hip uh, while I was doing some exercises, team building exercises uh, while I was in. So while I had every intention of finishing my contract and doing things uh, for, for our country, uh, God had other plans. And who would have ever thought I'd be in politics? I mean, this was not <laughs> something that was on my radar. Uh, not at all. Um, and then government decided to essentially uh, upset the liberty within me. Um, and being that I took an oath and my husband's taken an oath and I come from a long line of military in my family, um, things just didn't really quite sit well with me in 2020 when our government decided to tell us who was essential and who wasn't essential. Uh, I gathered a group of my mamas and we held a reopen Tampa rally where we had 400 people show up and we made international news that day. And from then on, um, politics is where I've been. Um, I was actually involved a little bit earlier than that, but more on the medical freedom side, which is a lot of what we're seeing now with um, the exposure of the corruption with the COVID vaccine uh, and all of that coming to light. That has been something that I've been fighting with other vaccines Um prior to my run in 22 for school board. So, so you're, you're a mom of five and you know, to me, that's yes, always is. such an example. I, I love using a family like yours as an example, right? Because this is why yes, we need yes. education savings accounts. I'm just guessing. I don't know your, any of your kids. I'll bet none of them are exactly the same. Am I right? Do they all have educational oh, needs that absolutely. are totally different than the other ones? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. They are all very different. They all think very different. They all learn very different. Um, it's even difficult for me to homeschool them um, on, on, on just the way I do it at home. It's a little difficult because they are so very different and they learn so very different. So to have something like an educational savings plan where it's customizable education um, for each parent to decide which way best works for their child is, is, is groundbreaking. So. Yeah, and let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, HR one uh, was an important piece of legislation, historic piece of legislation for the state of Florida. But but let's talk about what what it does. I mean, it, it's very expansive. It allows you to you know go to a different public school if that's what your choice is. It allows you to go to private schools as well, home schools uh, if you choose to homeschool. It really is the choice of the parent, right? Right. 100%. It it literally puts education in the hands of the parent and allows them um, 
the freedom and the opportunity to choose which educational pathway best fits their child, whether, like you said, whether that's public school, a different public school outside of their zip code or their um, designated area, or they can use some of that funding to go to a um, private school. They can even change it to a charter school or do homeschool options. Um, There are a lot of things that you can do. You can even use some of the funding for tutoring and and things of that nature. So it it really is um, a groundbreaking, expansive legislation that that was passed and I think is much needed. Uh, Education has not changed over the last several hundred years. It's been the same. Um, So while everything else is advancing, I think um, our Florida legislature really decided to put the power back in into the hands of the people. And I think um, they should be commended for that for sure. Yeah, I think COVID really exposed this. And I, I mean, we're seeing so many states do it now because there was so such frustration on the part of parents throughout COVID with schools being closed and, and stuff. And you're so right. I mean, we have had a system for, you know, a hundred years for, for the history of our nation, which basically says you go to school. No, it doesn't matter what your five kids are like. It doesn't matter if one of them excels in math and one of them has developmentally uh, developmental disabilities. None of that matters. What matters is you live in this zip code. That's where you're going to go to school. That is insane that we have operated our education system like that instead of empowering in the greatest country in the world, empowering parents to make the decision. And you may make a different decision for all five of your kids under this law, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The only issue I do see is that is is that, you know, when you ask government for more permission, it allows government to give things, give you permission that you already have. So you're setting a precedent for something that probably government shouldn't have access to to begin with. Uh, We are supposed to be sovereign people. But I do appreciate the the challenge that they have uh, risen to risen to. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? No, I I understand what you're saying, but I mean, it is still, I mean, it is revolutionary for us to go really from a zip code based system to a system where, you know, even in some of the ESAs, as they, they discuss it, you know, they'll, they'll still, if you go to public school, you have to go to the school in your neighborhood or at least to the district in which you live. But under HR one, this is different, right? right? You can, if you live in Mm -hmm. one County in Florida, you can go to, you can send your kids to a different County if you want to public school, right? Yep. Yep. And I think that is, that is really, that's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, It's something that has never been done before. Florida is definitely leading the way in in ESA and educational freedom uh, and providing parents with the liberties that they have already um, possessed but it's, it's more uh, solidified in, in the legislature now. So it's really good. Yeah. Um, so Florida already had a tax uh, credit scholarship. So tell me how this yeah. is different. So this is different because it allows, um, it does focus on low income families. So they will continue to get priority. Um, but it, it doesn't matter with this law. It doesn't matter what income income you have. So anybody with any kind of income can apply for the ESA to be a part of this, this um, groundbreaking legislation uh, for educational freedom. So yeah, that completely goes out the window. So everybody can apply. It doesn't matter if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year or you make, you know, $35,000 a year, you can still apply. And those that are low income families will still receive prioritized um, priority. Yeah. Yeah. And how, I mean, 
Florida already has a program for special needs students. They already have a program for lower income students. So how will this impact them? This doesn't impact them at all. Um, This just expands. It opens up the door for for all families and not just families of specific uh, categories. So this really just it's opening. I I consider it opening the floodgates for for educational freedom for all our families here in Florida. I think it has a profound impact at all. Yeah. And I think it has a profound impact on public schools as well. Your thoughts on that? I mean, what this will do for competition amongst public schools. Absolutely. You said it just perfect. It, it, it will increase competition. It allows our public schools, uh, those that are sitting on the board, our administration, uh, those that sit downtown in, in a lot of our districts, they are going to have to become very creative with trying to draw back um, parents back into the district schools. Right now, since 2020, we have realized parents have had this open door into what is actually going on in our classrooms. And what we have found is that we are not happy with the return on investment that we've been given. Um, Parents are the main consumers of public education. And if we do not agree with how our children are being educated or what they're being educated on, we as parents have that ability and should always have that option to remove our children from the public school that they are in and either change to their public, change to a different public school or change a different route of schooling for our children. and that is exactly what what is going to happen. I've heard we've gotten actually a lot of pushback from a lot of other organizations that say that this legislation will strip away and take away money from our public schools. When in fact, it, it, it they're, they're not really lying in a way, but they're also kind of um, exacerbating the, the outcome with that. So while, yes, uh, per student funding happens when. You have a certain amount of students that are in a school. So the school receives a certain amount of funding per student. Um, and when you remove those students from that school, they no longer receive that funding. However, that funding does follow the child. So the funding can go to a different public school uh, in the district or a different uh, public school in, the, in a different district. Or you can take that money and take it to a private school or do uh, you can choose to homeschool. So it does keep competition very high. But a lot of our elected representatives and those that we have hired to be administrators need to be think outside the box a little bit in order to raise that bar of competition. Yeah. And it really is all about competition, right? I mean, um, that, that's what's been missing in the system for all of these, all of these, well, for over a century now, that's what's been missing in the system. And I don't, I don't blame people in a system for trying to pr- protect a monopoly. That's what, Right. Sort of monopolies do. And, and, and I get that. If you just get funding handed to you every year and you get to go back and say, well, we need a 3% increase or a 6% increase year after year after year. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't uh, worry that somebody's doing that. That's kind of human nature that they would do that. But it's a system that doesn't focus on the, on the kid. Right. It's a system that doesn't focus on educating the the kid. This is now a system that will that will take that competition. And again, everybody should be on an equal footing. Public schools, uh, you know, private schools, home schools. Those should all be choices. And parents are going to pick the best one for their child. Absolutely. So we've had over the last several years, we've had school board members literally say that parents don't know what's best for their children while they have sat on the dais during public meetings, yeah. um, which is an indication that that either 
the school board member or the school district is completely um, ignorant in the fact of what their actual job is supposed to be <laughs> um, and that uh, parents are the main consumers of, of public education. They are providing a need, but they're also providing a service. And, and like I said before, if we are not getting the, the proper return on investment, parents that are invested in their children's education 100 percent will do the research and make sure that they are choosing the best option for their children. And having the ability to do that really sets the child up for much more success than just shoving them into a public school system that is really only focused on how much money they can receive each year and where that money goes. And we've noticed over the last several years that administration, um, the, the amount of money that has gone into admin, um, it, it has, has skyrocketed. It's about 400 percent where um, we still can't pay our teachers a proper you know, income in order for them to survive based off of, you know, going to school, working in the school system. Uh, a lot of their pay is still only $45,000 a year, which is really difficult to get by, especially now during inflation. So um, while we do have school public schools that are, are complaining about this, I do think that they should just think outside the box and try to come up with different solutions on how they can best uh, serve those that are choosing to use their facility. I do agree that it will provide a, um, some much needed restructuring of our public schools where right now we have a lot of schools that, that do not follow the, the teacher to student ratio. We have way too many students and not enough teachers, um, but that is also indicative of the times we are in. There's a lot of parents and teachers that are leaving the profession, one, because they're unhappy where they are, they're not getting enough money, um, they're not getting the respect they need and the behavior in the classroom is absolutely uh, is ridiculous, as well as some of the the educational tools that they're using. So um, HB1 was definitely needed. And we are so glad that it's actually passed and it's in law right now. So, well, and, and, <laughs> and won't won't competition help bring about change in some of those areas like student teacher uh, ratios and and pay for good teachers. I mean, it seems to me that's what's been missing, and that's why good teachers don't get paid well. Is there isn't competition that delineates between good teachers and bad teachers? And you know, for right. for you to survive in a system of competition, you have to provide good pay to good teachers. I mean, this is just it's just common sense. It's the free market. It works. Everywhere else in America, there's no reason it wouldn't work in our K through 12 education system. Oh, absolutely. And then this kind of removes a little bit of the stronghold that the unions have on our teachers. Um, because so the reason why a lot of the teachers that are are performing badly or not up to standard um, is because the, the unions are protecting those kinds of teachers. They, they really aren't for assisting the teachers that that are the veteran ones that, that are doing you know, above and beyond. Um, and really the only other place that you can go anywhere else in America, in any other job forum, you have the ability to advance, right? But here in public schools, when you're a teacher, it's really difficult for you to um, gain uh, advancement in pay unless you're moving up to becoming an administrator in downtown or at your district level. And most teachers don't want to become a principal or most teachers don't want to become some kind of administration uh, in their on their district level. They want to be, you know, a teacher that is in the profession for 30 years, but also gets paid like they've been in the profession for 30 years. You can't be, you know, for example, a recruiter 
for a, a company and be, a, a, you know, and do that for 20 years and still get paid the same amount that you did when you started and that <laughs> you will lose people that way. Right. And that is what has happened. So um, this definitely, I think, does open up that door a little bit to help, uh, like, again, be a little more creative on what they can do. Uh, for it to help us and assist our teachers in, in becoming the best that they can be and and raising the bar as far as their pay goes, because we do need to compensate our good teachers for sure. One hundred percent. We do. I'm gonna, I'll tell a quick story. I my sister, one of my sisters was a an award winning public school teacher, art teacher, you know, used art in a way to to get to kids that that otherwise couldn't be gotten to and uh, to, mm-hmm. to to get them to understand the importance of doing something with your life and those sorts of things. She was a non-union teacher in, in her school district. She showed up the first day of class, went to get her list of students and looked at, at it for the new year. And, you know, she had like 33 kids in her class. The other art teacher in the school had 18. And she wow. says, man, that's a lot of kids. And, and the, the union shop steward walked by right as she saw that and he said to her, well, if you join the union, maybe you'd have fewer kids in your class. Now, how we could defend a system like that, that would put more kids into one class as, as another, as a way of punishing someone for not joining right. the union, you know, that is wrong. We can't ever defend a system like that. But those are the kinds of things, the games that go on in a system when you take the free market and freedom mm-hmm. and choice out of a system. Any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy and politics that goes right. on behind closed doors. Um, and I, I mean, I think that's in every industry, but it it's terrible that it is in our public education system uh, where it shouldn't be. The focus always should be on our children and the quality of education that we're giving uh, our students. Right now, we have you know other countries like Japan that are teaching their children in kindergarten or first grade or elementary school calculus and and things of that nature and 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 setting them up truly for success um, in the world that we live in now and where the future is going. We're here in America, we are throwing, you know, drag queen, you know, story hour. And we're, we're consistently talking about, you know, educating the whole child and, and trying to get them to be emotionally intelligent. Um, but, and we're focusing on things that, that are not necessarily assisting our children um, for the future of America. We're actually taking them back several years, uh, especially when we're allowing you know, biological males to participate in female sports. So we're completely removing uh, safety precautions for our, our young girls. Um, but we're also not educating them on, on, on an equal, on an equal, I, I would say, level as, as other places. Um, and we used to be this big, this big, you know, America was this, this, this world power where, you know, people not really just feared us, but they look to us, right, to see what we were doing and the innovations that we were bringing. And I don't think we've had very many, you know, big innovations over the last several years. I think we've kind of been very stagnant, but that is due to how we are teaching our children and the quality of education that we are bringing to the table. Um, and bills like this, educational saving, savings uh, accounts and, and, and free, free market education is how you put it. Is, I really like how you put that. I think that's really important. Um, because that that will allow teachers and our our government when it comes to public schools to figure out how we can best educate our our children to be set up for future. Right. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree with that. A couple other things I wanted to talk about. 
this bill, I think there's a lot of homeschoolers that look at this, home educators who look at it and 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 worry that the state's going to tell them what to do and that sort of thing. In Florida, if you don't take, if you don't participate in this program and you don't apply for the scholarship and you're a home educator, the st- there's no more intrusion by the state into right. home education than there is today, right? That is 100% accurate. You, This is a choice. Uh, if you're a right. home educator and you do not choose to participate in, in this uh, legislation in the, e, in the ESA, then you do not have to. It is application only. Um, it is not forced upon anyone. Our homeschoolers, we already have laws on the books that protect homeschool uh, or home education because there's a, there's a little bit of a difference between home education and, and, and a homeschooling. Um, they tried to do homeschooling right. when we did remote learning where the teacher, you would have a teacher in a classroom and then everybody was set up on laptops at home. That's that's different than home education. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think the distinction is very important to understand. But also we here in Florida is very unique. We already had laws on the books that protected home education. Um, and if you want to participate in the ESA, then that's great. And if not, then that's your choice as well. So it really is yeah. up to you. you. You plan to home educate again. And what is it yeah. about that that fits your that fits your family or your kids? Well, one for one, I have a few, one of my children is on the spectrum, um, and he has a really hard time uh, being in a classroom with other children. That it's a lot of noise, and, and he can't really get that one on one that he really needs in order for him to grasp um, a topic that he feels is, is is a little difficult for him. So, I think homeschooling for him is going to be great. Uh, it was great when we participated and we did it a few years ago, uh, but I ran for school board and wasn't sure if I was going to be able to home educate and <laughs> run at the same time or, or actually do the job as a school board member. So I put him back in in a, in a charter and he's done pretty good, but he still has his struggles. So um, but yes, uh, because all of my children learn very differently, I do think that home education is the best option for us. Um, it also opens up the door for them to to do other things. They can you know, when they get their education done within a few hours, they don't have to sit down for eight hours in a day to learn all that they need to learn for the subject or the, the topics that they're learning that day. They can learn them in a four hour time block. Um, and then that opens the door for sports and learning um, mu- musical instruments and, and doing things that that they find um, interest in to help them grow. We can make that that um, a part of their education. You're always learning, right? You don't have to to learn things inside of a of four walls, right? And it doesn't have right. to be a licensed professional that is always teaching you the things that I've learned as an adult and even as a kid. I it wasn't always in front of a, an ed, a licensed educator. It wasn't always you know in in a classroom or in a building. Um, I've learned a lot from the people that I've had around me, um, and my children do the same. So it it really is important that that we don't look at education as an institution. Education is just the quest for learning anything. Um, so as long as we keep that in mind, I think, I think that helps balance out, you know, what's really going on. Right. Right. Uh, just if, if somebody wants to learn a little bit more, if they're living in Florida or they, they're thinking of moving to Florida because it has good <laughs> education laws. Yeah. Uh, if, if any of those things are true, how can they find out more about house bill one uh, and, and, you know, where can they go to find out more information? Well, you could always go to myfloridahouse.gov, um, and type in HB one, 
It's there uh, and you can read through all of the documents. I even have a, a list of um, talking points and, and a breakdown of how of what it looks like, what the bill looks like. The, the language is they do it on purpose. It's a little hard to understand sometimes, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can always come uh, shoot me a Facebook message. I'm on Facebook at Allie Leg. Um, and you can also email me at Allie at momsforamerica.net. Now I can give you all the information you need for, for um, this to discuss this bill here. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And by the way, I think I may have erroneously called it HR1. Uh, it's yeah. HB1. In, in <laughs> it the is. state legislature, it's called HB. And HB. in the U.S. Congress, it, things bills are called HR. HR. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Just so like I House Resolution. Right, That's House Resolution right. for Congress, and then it's um, a House bill for state. Right, um, and I yep. actually teach this, so it's really interesting. We do uh, with Moms for America. I'm the director of what's called Empower Moms, and we empower families to literally cover everything from the kitchen table all the way to Congress. So if you want information on um, how to homeschool your kids or what public school options there are for you in your state, I can give you resources for that. If you want to join webinars or trainings or run for school board or anything of that nature, I can help you assist you with that. Um, and uh, if you want to discuss how to become a family lobbyist, essentially a citizen lobbyist, we can discuss that. I can give you resources. If you want to learn about what laws that are coming down and being passed in our Congress and in your state and how it affects you as a person, I can definitely help you with that. So always visit momsforamerica.com. Dot, um, dot us for more information. We can also email me at Allie at momsforamerica.net. And I'll be happy to connect with you and help you with any resources that you need. That's great. Uh, Allie, thanks so much. I mean, thanks not only for joining us on the podcast, but more importantly, thanks for getting involved and for not just focusing on your own kids. Because a lot of, I mean, most parents, there, there's a lot of parents out there who don't, they just send their kid to school and it's like, I pick them up and that's it. Then there's parents that focus on their kids and say, I want more for my kids. And I'm going to do everything to make their education the best. Then there's the parents like you who say, that's not good enough. I have my kids, but I also have to care about society. I have to also have to care about my community. And so I'm going to run for school board or I'm going to work to get HB1 passed in Florida so that it helps every kid in Florida. But I just want to thank you for, for doing that because that, that means so much to every single kid in Florida and really in America that there are people like you who get out there and make a difference. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, Ben Franklin said it best. Uh, we have a Republic if you can keep it. And the only way you can keep it is if you're educated on what it actually means. And, and Liberty is an, is an action word. You have to actually exercise your rights, but you have to know what they are first. Um, and so if not now, then when, if not you, then who, right? So you have to be involved. It's for the betterment of our entire country. It's not just what's best for your children um, because our children go out into the world and they become, you know, community members or, you know, the next CEOs, the next president, the, mess, the next legislators, the next firefighters, they are the future. So if we're not properly educating them on what they need to know, especially based in our foundational principles of what America truly is, then we will surely lose it for the next generation. And we are there. We're on the cusp right here. So get involved y'all. <laughs> yeah. That that's so well said, Allie. Thank you again for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you can send me an email, Jeff at AmericanPotential.com. Would love to hear from you. Thanks for making this podcast so successful. I mean, we just keep continuing to grow at an amazing rate 
Uh, and it's all because of you. And thanks to you for bringing these stories to us and for listening. Uh, you know, truly, America has such great potential and Americans have such great potential. Thanks for joining us on another edition of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.